on last night in the teachings, we looked at the layers of reactivity that we can easily add to our experience physically, emotionally, mentally. The ways we tend to put pressure on ourselves, the ways we conceive of and reinforce ideas of ourselves, the ways we commentate on and evaluate ourselves, and all the ways in which that can contribute to a kind of dense or difficult sense of ourselves, ways that contribute to a sense of struggling with ourselves, taking ourselves unnecessarily and unhelpfully seriously personally. And in our practice until now, we've been um, grounding our attention in bodily life, being as awake and present as possible, in part so as to see that reactivity playing out, so as to be able to meet it notice it, explore it, give it space to unwind a little, tracking the physical tensions that we notice as we just keep engaging and re-engaging this simple intention to be present, using body and breath, these rather natural and effortless elements of experience. present in the body field, this theatre of dancing sensation and vibration, sometimes light, sometimes dense, sometimes pleasant, sometimes unpleasant. And the more we're able to really engage with bodily life as a dance, a natural movement. And the more that can contribute to a certain relaxing of us taking this process, these processes, so personally. So we practice today in much the same way. Coming back from the tide of abstractions that carry us away to ideas of past or present or future. Coming back to establish ourselves in a certain immediacy. An immediacy that's characterized by or held in a physical sense of experience. landing in, arriving in this body field. And some of you have been noticing and 
may notice through the day as we do that, that there's a certain stabilizing of your attention that can happen. May or may not be happening at any given moment, right? And if it's not happening, then just that willingness to keep on letting go and re-establishing, letting go and re-establishing. Not getting into some inner drama about why attention isn't stable. Not getting into more evaluation or judgment. That's just more destabilizing, right? And so if we find now or at any moment through the day that attention is easily pulled here and there, then just being very simple, body, breath, here, like this. Just letting our attention drop down. We might say trusting in the powerful goodness of that practice of being willing to drop it. The powerful goodness of the way we're cultivating that capacity to notice and release and re-establish the immediacy of things. And then if there is a certain stability, if one's able just to actually have a sense of being grounded in bodily experience, um, established in these changing sensations. Then one can let whatever one's experience is of this immediate field of experience, just widen a little to be more inclusive. As we've said, uh, you know, our idea of body and our image of body is very body-shaped, right? It looks like me. But our experience of body isn't body-shaped. Right? Our experience of body doesn't have clearly defined edges. As you sit here now, you just sense bodily life. The edges of it often feel rather diffuse. The experience of bodily life is more spherical, actually, than body-shaped. Though that's a sphere that we can't really find the exact edges of. It's here that we inhabiting not only actually the physical, because the physical doesn't really exist, right? Independent. It's not separate from the emotional or the mental. And it's here where we find that to really inhabit the body field is to also inhabit the chitta field, right? this field of consciousness. Consciousness is as much physical as it is mental. Consciousness is this field of experience where sensation is known, where thought appears, 
where sound happens, where the waves of emotion come forth, coloring the field and then fading out. So the more um, brightness and steadiness of attention there is, the more you can just really let yourself inhabit the fullness of this field of consciousness with whatever comes into it and goes out of it. The more steadiness there is, the more you can let your attention be drawn to whatever it is that's kind of that tugs at your attention. The more you're able to just track, oh, this state. If there's some stability, then whatever arises, maybe boredom arises, one's able to really know it. Maybe sadness arises, maybe irritation arises, maybe excitement arises. Normally we identify with the states that arise, we get pulled around by the states that arise. But if we're really just grounded in the kind of inhabiting this chitta field, feeling its malleableness, its impressionability, the way it's colored by our experience, then we're actually able to know and feel and examine the different states of mind that appear without being hijacked by them. We're able to know a certain independence from those different mind states, a certain spaciousness around those different mind states. That which is aware of boredom isn't itself bored. That which is in contact with anger isn't itself angry. That which feels the buzz of excitement isn't itself excited. This is called freedom in the midst of our experience. Steady awareness. Spacious awareness, open awareness, gentle awareness. The spaciousness that makes room for the different changing states of mind. The gentleness that comes close, listens to, cares for the different states of mind. The ease of not needing to either pursue some particular state of mind that we think we should have or we'd like to have or we ought to be having. Nor to reject any state of mind as somehow wrong or bad or not allowed. States of mind come and go, like sensations come and go, like sounds come and go, 
like breath comes and goes, like universes come and go, like everything comes and goes. So we sit here together, coming and going. Cultivating some intimacy with our changing experience. Forgiving ourselves our comings and goings. You know that line from the Lord's Prayer? Forgiving us our trespasses. It's quite appropriate to meditation. And mind goes here and there and how easily we, oh, why was I thinking about that? And sooner have we been blessed, we might say, with the grace, to continue some of the Christian imagery, blessed with the grace of of being awoken by life, actually seeing, ah, mind had gone off into this or that drama for ten minutes. And instead of being feeling the blessing of having woken up from that, we kind of add a more complexity to it by the concern about where mind went, how long mind went for, why mind went there. So forgive yourself your trespasses. Notice that mind's gone off. Okay. The good news is you're back again. It really doesn't matter what's been going on for the last 10 minutes. It's gone. Gone. So, given that those ten minutes have already gone, let them go. The The significance of having woken up to the fact that you've been caught up somewhere is the fact that you've woken up to it. In that waking up, there's the recognition, the reestablishment of here, this. This body sitting. These sounds expressing. This breath breathing. This mind state, whatever it is, coloring the field in whatever way. This life living. And this extraordinary human possibility to be here with it all, close to it all, attuned to it. This possibility to meet our experience, investigate our experience, feel into and find out about our experience. Cultivating this capacity to meet experience more fully, more fluidly, more freely. So it's like this then, that we sit here together.
So letting yourself be well established in your posture. Grounded and stable. Upright and bright. Open and receptive. Relaxed and gentle. Recognizing that everything's here naturally. Body and breath. Sounds and sensations. Thoughts, ideas and images, impulses. Sensing how awareness too is here naturally. This capacity to know directly our experience, feel directly our experience. So establishing awareness here in this field of experience. Here in the sensations, in the breathing, in the hearing.
If your mind is busy this morning, with your attention easily going up and out, then really use the natural downward relaxing movement of the out-breath. It's gently inviting your attention again and again in and down. Coming in to this felt field of experience with its dance of sensation, with its flickerings of thought. with its symphony of sounds. If your attention needs a single clear focus, then just use the movements of breath. The expansion of the in-breath, the deflation of the out-breath, the still point between breaths. If there's enough stability that you don't need to limit your attention just to a single element of experience, then just abiding here as this field of experience, this field of sensitivity. Meeting and allowing whatever shows up moment by moment.
What's the condition of your mind in this moment? What mind state is coloring your field of consciousness? And how is it coloring it? Have you been caught up in that mind state? Identified with it? Acting it out? Or are you able to just, just to track it? To know the mind state from the inside? Exploring its changing nature. Seeing how it produces particular kinds of thoughts and ideas and impulses. Knowing the mind state. in such a way that that which knows the mind state isn't itself bound by the mind state. Abiding independent in our experience as the awareness which knows, which receives, which explores, all that arises and passes away.
seeing what's a skillful practice right now. If attention is very flighty, then it's probably skillful to have a fairly precise field of attention. Breath and belly. If attention's a little more stable, it might be skillful to have a wider field of attention. This whole dancing field of sensation. If attention is really quite steady and bright, then it might be skillful to have a wide open field of experience where whatever arises can be met, seen, explored. So finding the way of practicing which is skillful with just the conditions, the way they are for you right now. Continuing to practice in this way for the remaining 15 minutes.
And as we come to the end of the sitting, whatever is going on right now, just consciously letting the field of your attention really widen. Just including the whole of bodily life, however it is right now. including the soundscape. That realm of experience where what we call inner and what we call outer dissolve into each other. In the immediacy of hearing where we can't really tell where the sound ends and the hearing of it begins. Letting the field of your attention be open to whatever coloring of mind is here right now. Whatever emotion may be present. And as the sitting ends, as you hear the bell ring, as you then start to adjust your posture and open your eyes, just also making room in the widening field of attention for seeing and for moving. In this way, you're making a conscious transition so that even though the formality of meditation ends, the continuity of awareness remains. So there's some time for whatever questions or comments or explorations you might have arising out of your meditation or out of the instructions. Yeah, Caroline. Can you pass that? Um, I was just wondering if you could clarify or just expand upon what you mean by um, mind state and colouring of mind, because I'm not sure whether or how that's different to an emotional experience or if it's the same thing. Yeah. Um, so I'm using them pretty much as the same thing. Some of the some things we they they kind of operate in the same way, right? It's a certain there's a certain what I've been calling a colouring of our experience, and in the, sankara is the Pali word. 
And some of them we might characterize more as emotional states, or some of them we might call mind states. Right? Um, but they basically work in exactly the same way. So um, maybe frustration or anger or sadness, we might call that more an emotional state. And then maybe um, boredom or agitation, we might call that more a mental state, a mind state. But basically they work in the same way. Some of them we associate more with thinking, oh, I'm bored, etc. And some of them we associate more with feeling, oh, that hurts, for example. But basically, the way in which there's that colouring both has a physical component, right? So even something like boredom, there's a way we experience that physically. There might be a certain kind of dullness or deadening sense. And there's also a component where there's a story about, the the colouring of the mind is producing some story about experience. In that case, the story, this is boring, I don't know why, you know, it's not worth paying attention to, I wish something more interesting was happening, for example. So we... There's a sort of distinction between mind state and emotional state, just with whether we equate it more with thinking or feeling, if you like. But actually, they're the same thing. They work in the same way. They're the same category, if you like, of experience. Um, When when you asked initially, what kind of mind state have you got Mm. at the moment? What mind state is there at the moment? I, because I didn't understand, I had this kind of very strong anxiety response and my brain started, my mind started thinking, oh, what does he mean? Is it this or is it that? And then I had this kind of fight or flight thing going on. So I'm just wondering, well, I'm thinking maybe um, it's not, not to worry too much about whether it's emotions or, but just... Well, it, just feel what the general feeling well, is. Well, it sounds like that was the colouring. Well, it right? was, but it wasn't there before you said that. <laughs> Right. <laughs> but so, never mind. Yeah. Like you say, once it's once gone, it's gone, right? Yeah. So even if the anxiety only arose in response to the question, that's the, then the colouring right. of the moment. Okay. That's what you get to see. Like, oh, it's like I'm looking at life through the, the, len- you know, the coloured lenses of a particular state. I'm looking at my experience through anxiety. Mm. And it's like, what's that like? Because if we're just sort of blindly looking through anxiety-coloured glasses, everything looks like a source of anxiety. Right? Mm. But if we know, oh, this is just me looking through anxiety-coloured glasses, then we actually get to, you know, we can look at the glasses themselves. Oh, anxiety feels, you know, agitating. It often has it has a kind of groundless feel to it, like the, oh, there's nothing reliable, there's nothing safe, there's nothing, and we get to actually see that we can. Reality test it. It's the truth that there's nothing safe. What about the fact that I'm just sitting on the ground, for example? Okay, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Can you pass the mic back? Yes. Uh, the... Uh, Knowing of anger, that which is not angry. Knowing of anger, that which is not angry. It, it's like the watcher that is aware of everything. And uh, in practice, do we rest in there and see what happens? I mean, there, there is something like a split in whatever happens. And 
Uh, are you are you telling me that that's what you're noticing? There is uh, a sp- there I mean, is a split in whatever happens. Yes, there is a split. But I, how 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 should I approach it? Mm. I mean, just rest there, just. Well, it's it, that relationship is mysterious. I don't think anybody has ever managed to fully explain it. Right? Relationship between the knowing and the known if you like. So, I, I tend to not use the language of the watcher or the witness, which is sometimes used, because it seems to kind of make that into a something or a someone, which doesn't seem very accurate to me. So I rather talk about it as a dynamic verb, right? Therefore, I talk about the knowing of, the awareness of, I would, it's not so much a split because those two aspects of experience depend on one another. There can't be any knowing without something being known. There can't be anything that's known without there being some knowing. Right? But if you try to figure out that relationship, it'll get, it'll be, get very complicated and unhelpfully so. So, given where your interest is, I would say... It's probably not as simple as just rest in that. Because in practice, experience is drawing us constantly into and between both aspects of experience. But given where where your question is and where your interest is, certainly sometimes we find that whatever's going on, whatever's pulling the attention, right, sounds, sensations, etc., we might see, well, it's all coming and going. But what's really interesting isn't the stuff that's coming and going. What's really interesting is the knowing of it. Like here comes sound, sound comes, goes, sensation comes, goes. But the knowing is just here. Receiving, allowing, understanding, engaging. We might find that that which naturally, when we open the field of consciousness when there's a certain stability and sensitivity we find find that what draws our attention more compellingly than anything else is just the very fact of being here the very fact that there is consciousness the very fact that there is experience uh, yeah. that, that, but that creates a little bit distance isn't it doesn't that uh, makes a problem with Intimacy. I sometimes think that that could be a problem. Like, go away, away, away. If it gives a sense of distance, as in apart from, then that would be worth looking at. It's, it's the language gets a bit complicated. I would say one can sim- simultaneously or equally describe that as a spaciousness around experience or an independence from experience, but. One could equally describe it as a profound intimacy with experience, a, 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 a dissolution into experience. The one implies distance, the one implies the opposite, but actually they both equally work as a description. If only one seems to work, if we feel like, oh, I'm just in it, then... Look for the spaciousness. 
Whereas if you just feel, oh, I'm apart from, or I have distance from, then look for the intimacy. And of course it doesn't make much sense to everyday mind that those descriptions would be simultaneously valid, spacious around, yet intimate with. But, you know, distance doesn't exist in consciousness. So the fact that the usual descriptions break down is quite normal. Can I ask one more thing? Yeah. Uh, the, there is the body sensations and there is the mental image of the body, right? And mm-hmm. uh, how, how, how is that image like? I mean, it arises before, after it, the sensation, but is it like something like arm appears? <laughs> Like is it, is it, something, is it something like arm? Like let's say I feel something in my arm, mm-hmm. and there is the mental image of the arm here. Well, it's the, the cognitive sense making of our experience, right? Some of us do our cognitive sense making mostly in terms of images. Some do it more in terms of words or descriptions, right? So we do it with anything, not just body. We we hear the bell sound. The experience is ephemeral, fluid, and just arising and passing. But then easily we, we just generate a picture, oh, there's a bell ringing. We either see the bell, oh, yeah. or we think, oh, that's the bell ringing. Right? Same like we would do with body. We feel some, some just like the sound is a kind of a flickering, fluid thing. The same sensation in our legs is a flickering, fluid thing. But then we easily just generate a, uh, an idea about it. Oh, my leg hurts. Or an image of the leg and the heat, etc. And then once we've generated, nothing wrong with the fact that we generate a description or an image. It's quite natural. But then what happens is we easily start to relate more to the image and the description than to the actual thing. So we're no longer actually relating to the heat and tension that might be happening in our leg. We're relating to the idea, oh, my leg hurts. And then we start to build more and more ideas on that. How, how much worse is it going to get? How much more of the sitting is there going to be? Well, you know, am I going to be crawling out of the meditation hall, dragging my withered limbs behind me, <laughs> etc.? Right? And then, you know, we create a lot of tension and drama out of that. So there's nothing wrong. It's natural. It's actually amazingly sophisticated and brilliant that we can abstract our experience to make images and descriptions and ideas about it. But we tend to get rather overly entranced by that capacity and, and live more in our descriptions and images of things than in the living reality of them. Is there anything wrong with looking for it? Like, there, I mean, if you don't notice it, but there must be, a, assuming that there must be a Mental image. Rather than, I would it. say, rather than looking for anything particular, look at what's here. Look at what's most compelling, what's most alive in your experience, rather than looking for something particular. Okay. Good. Keith. Yeah, that thing about. Um, <laughs> if you sense that you're sort of too in 
some state, uh, look for the spaciousness that you just talked about. And I was feeling somehow something like you'd have to be pretty advanced not to, for that not to become actually an interfering with and changing that experience. And it really sort of resonated with what I was going through when you started the meditation, that I was feeling the rain started falling and this massive sadness and crying came out. And I just felt this oh, kind of just um, contract, um, sort of protective motion, something like that. And I felt like I was uh, with it. And then when I heard the meditation instructions, I was feeling, okay, now I'm supposed to be getting up and sort of being with that. And, um, but I felt that I would, and it was to do with Gail telling me to be gentle. And I'm actually a bit unclear about precisely what that involves. I think that's quite complicated in a way. I felt like it would be like breaking, breaking me mm. if, I, if I pulled myself up again. Mm. I just let myself stay there mm -hmm. because, but I was down in my belly, mm. and uh, but it was just it was interesting. It made it really clear. This well, it just stood out. This thing, if you feel you're in, maybe I'm getting confused with uh, thinking I should have been getting upright. Yeah, but, uh, but still, if you're looking for the spaciousness, it feels like there's a real risk of trying to change and in a way almost deny and interfere with the experience that you're yeah. having. So I'm talking about not so much doing anything to the experience but the relationship with it. Yeah. It sounds to me like you were both in and that there was some space. The fact that you're knowing I'm in and I'm knowing I'm exploring it. The knowing yeah. is spacious, right? Yeah. It has to be because the knowing is bigger than the experience. Knowing is looking at, uh, managing, holding, caring for the experience. Therefore, the knowing is the space in which the experience is appearing. I suppose that's where I find language can often be difficult or misleading because knowing, yeah, that feels it. Spaciousness, in a way, it didn't feel like spacious. Okay. So, well, given you know that what I mean? Well, given the experience was a little oh, contracted. It's weird, it's like there was a massive contraction going on and yet I was really knowing that and sort of accepting it. Yeah. So... Sounds good to me. I suppose in so some ways the, the term spacious is, is, is more of a, almost a technical term for um, a kind of... Well, knowing, knowing so felt better. We, we, have different, we have different associations with different words. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. So... You know, I do my best, spit out some terms, hope they land. Inevitably, sometimes some term will be seem unclear or unhelpful or untrue or, or whatever. So given that it lead with your experience, if you hear something I say that's, that's helpful and supportive, right, great. If you hear something that I say that seems either just wrong or confusing or doesn't fit, please feel free to let it go by. It may later on, you may join up the dots, or it may be that, like you say, you have an association with the word I'm using that maybe isn't actually quite the association that I mean, and that's just an inevitable way. You know, I say spaciousness, and God knows what you will make out of that. You know? Yeah. 
freedom maybe because there was, there was actually freedom right in be, in allowing myself to do that right rather in, than inhabiting myself. and knowing it sounds like those are the words that more fit for you you were inhabiting it and you were knowing it right that's a pretty good correlation between what with your daughter I was calling intimacy with and spaciousness with but you're calling you know being inside and knowing yeah okay All right. So, the fullness of the day beckons you. And we were exploring a little bit in the instructions that sense of just making some skillful adjustment to the, to the size of the field of your attention, right, of what you're attending to. If there's not much stability or brightness, it doesn't help to attend to a wide field because it just, there's, it, it's like there's too much in it. It'll, it'll just pulls you around too much. But on the other hand, sometimes we can get a little fixated on the narrow field. We can be a bit, for, oh yes, it's all about body and breath, body and breath. And then even when there's some steadiness, you know, we start to notice something else happening that might be really worth making room for and exploring. We sometimes think, oh, I mustn't get distracted. I've got to go back to the breath. So I just want to encourage you to really to see what's helpful moment by moment. And then that applies in equally in the formal moments of the day and the informal moments of the day. And just like, it's a little like a photographic lens, right? It's different. What you see is different if you focus in different ways. If you focus in a very narrow and precise way, breath, belly, for example, just like if you focus on a precise detail in a photograph, the rest tends to be blurry. Right? And just to let it be blurry. But then if you focus in more wide angle, right, you see more, you see a bigger picture. But inevitably, you don't. You, if you zoom out, and you see a wide-angle view of something, inevitably you don't see any particular detail with quite so much fineness. And that's really important. It's important in terms of the movement from formal moments, called meditation, to the informal moments, called just being present during the day. It's equally important in the transition, which we'll speak about more later on, from meditation retreat to daily life. Right? Each of those are an example of zooming out, Right. Meditation retreat has a certain focus to it. And then when we're involved in the rest of our life, there's, just, there's more activity, there's more detail. And sometimes we struggle with the uh, transition because we think, oh, but we tr- remember on meditation retreat, oh, sitting, breath, breath, breath. And then we think, oh, I'm not so focused in my daily life as if that's the failure of my practice in some way. But hey, you need a more wide-angle focus. Therefore, naturally, there's not quite so much fine detail. Same with the transition from formal meditation here to informal. If you're walking around, if you're getting your lunch, etc., there's more going on. You need a more open focus. Therefore, one can still be basically sensing the field of experience. You can be sensing body moving. You can be sensing the impact of uh, sensations and sights, etc. 
but not to expect that that sensing will be as precise as in a close-up focus. Is that, do you understand that image I'm giving of the lens? Yeah. And so, seeing what's helpful with the, the field of focus. Similarly in the walking. Right? If attention's very flighty, then just oh, keeping it very simple. Not in a rigid way, not in a narrow way, not in the idea that when I focus on something, everything else should disappear. That's not what happens, right, with the lens. But just, but just letting the rest be background. Letting it be background. Just coming to just the feel of body moving, legs moving. And then if you can, if you, as you get, or when you get, or if you get a little steadier and established, letting the field widen a little bit, taking in the impacts of whatever's sort of arising in consciousness. And then seeing, sometimes it might be helpful actually to be, and to see how it might be possible to be very, very present, but in a very, very wide open field of focus. Less granular detail, but a wide sense of just life unfolding freely. Sounds and sensations, ideas and images, movement and color. And the sense of the capacity to, that this body, this mind, this sense of self, this sense of world, doing their freely unfolding thing. Freely unfolding in such a way that one can find a certain ease with, a certain rest in, a certain responsiveness to that unfolding. So please use the day well. It's a precious opportunity, rare opportunity, and actually a kind of potentized opportunity. Built up a certain power of mind over these days, maybe more than you realize. Built up a certain um, access and openness in bodily life that may be more than you realize. There's a certain uh, aliveness and relaxation and awakeness that may be more than you realize. So make good use of these precious resources. Some time for walking now. And then please ring the bell at uh, 20 past in half an hour. And we'll meet here again to sit together. <laughs>